Father, we thank you for the sacredness of this moment. Thank you for these wonderful songs that we've sung. Thank you for prayers that have been prayed. But now we come to the time in this service when we open your word. We ask you that your word will be a light to our path and a lamp to our feet, food for our spiritual man. Touch us, Lord, these next few moments that we will ingest into our being truth, absolute truth, that will make us better servants of the Lord Jesus. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. amen. You may be seated. God bless you. We'll turn to the book of Hebrews, if you will, please. Let's read a few verses right there to start. Hebrews chapter 1, it just starts with one word, God. No explanation, no background, no resume, just plain God. God needs no explanation. He needs no introduction. He is the maker of all things. He is the eternal God, the eternal creator God. God who at sundry times and in divers manners, someone that reminded me of something a lady said about seeing people in the sea with the scuba diving. She said, Brother Jerry, is that what divers means in the Bible? I said, no. It means various who at sundry times and various manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, and again I will be to him a, a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he saith, who maketh the spirits and the ministers a flame of fire. Hallelujah. Grant that, Lord Jesus, that your ministers will be made a flame of fire. Be unto the Son, but unto the Son, he saith, thy Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness and the scepter of thy kingdom. God, who is the creator of all things and the maker of all things, it is said of him, all things consist by the word of his mouth, that all things operate according to his control and his sovereignty. He is the sovereign God. He is the absolute, complete within himself, deity itself. God has chosen to speak through the Lord Jesus in these last days, his only begotten son. It wasn't an accident that that angel stepped out into uh, space and stood there proclaiming glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill to men. For unto you is born this day in the city 
of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. It wasn't just by accident in Galatians 4 and 4 that the Bible said, and when the fullness of time was come, she brought forth a firstborn son. It, all of these things fit together in our, in our pursuit after God, how to know him and have relationship with this one who is unexplainable and this one who is undefinable. He is one of all power. In the ancient deities in the Near East, it, it is said of them that they, they also ruled. They not only shepherded, but they also ruled. And that, that means they took on a kingly uh, relationship with, the, their, with their people, the under-shepherds, and uh, with the, the sheep that they uh, raised for a, a living back in those times, in ancient times, the Arabic places, the uh, Eastern Asian part of our world at that time was occupied by people that did not necessarily know our Yahweh God. They knew about a deity, but it was one they invented for themselves. It was one that they carved images. It was one that they put on a shelf. It was one they worshipped in a creed known only to themselves. They knew not God, the Bible said, if when they knew not God. You see, knowing God demands a response. Knowing God demands that something be done. Every time that you come into contact with his word, you're placed at the forks of the road. What am I going to do with this? Every time a spiritual truth comes into your life, every time a revelation of who God is and who Jesus is comes into your life, then there is a decision that must be made. There's a... a, a commitment that is required of us when God reveals himself to us. And the Bible said that God in these last days had chosen to reveal himself through the person of the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus said these words, if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father, for I and the Father are one. And the Bible said in Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Amen. So when you see Jesus, you're seeing God's revelation of himself unto us. Isn't that wonderful? That God came, became one of us. In fact, the Bible says in John 1, 14, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Full of grace, mercy, and full of truth, absolute truth. I want to tell you this word right here is absolute truth. It, is, it will do to live by, it will do to die by. It's good for the cradle, it's good for the casket. No matter where you are, this word is good for you. It's good for me, it's good for the rich, it's good for the poor, it's good for every ethnicity, it's good for all people of all lands and, and all ethnicities and all groups, people groups. The Word of God is the light that shines in our path, that illuminates our path and instructs us how we should walk and how we should live and relate in this world we're living in. Somebody give some praise to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. And there are three books that begin just like this one does in the Bible with no explanation, just God. Well, this one is one of them, of course. We've read it this morning. The first one is Genesis. Genesis just simply begins, in the beginning, God. 
in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. A verse very close to that is found in John's Gospel. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We know that to be the Lord Jesus because his pre-incarnate designation was the Word of God. Amen. The Word of God that became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. That same God is declared to be sovereign and absolute. Amen. To some, God speaks to a, a, a realism that they can only come by by, by intellect. But I want to tell you, there is within every man and woman and boy and girl a hunger to worship. God made us with a worship mentality. God made us with a yearning to have relationship and worship. Amen. We are a worshiping vessel. We are a worshiping entity. We are a worshiping person, a, a worshiping purpose. God just simply made us that way, to have a vacuum until we find what goes in that vacuum, and that's Jesus. That's God. I said, that's God. Brother, when God reveals himself to you and that vacuum gets filled, there is a satisfaction that is unlike any other. When that vacuum inside you gets filled with the living God, filled with the living God. The old timers used to say, I said it the other day, I just want more of God. You mean there's a place inside every one of us where we can get more of God? You mean there's a, a, a place inside all of us in this room this morning that we can leave here with more of God than we had when we came in? That there's potential that when we leave here, we can be more enlightened, more strengthened, more blessed, more committed than we were when we came in those doors. And that means that we can get more of godliness and more of righteousness and more of truth, more of the fruit of the Spirit, more of the enhanced walk with the Lord Jesus. All of those things can come to us this very morning. And hopefully every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And hopefully every day that we wake up, we learn more to serve him better. God wants us to know that whatever we have need of, he will fulfill that longing. It's not your husband. It's not a, your wife. It's not a, a hobby. It's, it's not your lover. It's not whatever's going on. Nothing can fill that void except Jesus. This world will try to satisfy the longing in your soul, I think. But if you don't find that, you'll be just as before. You'll never find true satisfaction until you find the Lord. Because only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only Jesus, only God can fill that vacuum. Only God can do for you what no other power can do. You see, sometimes God tests us and Abram was continually being tested. There are times when Job, the man of faith, was tested about his faith and about what he really believed. And boy, did he ever come through with flying colors. Every time the devil sent an assault his way, brother, with the word of God, he just fought it off in similar fashion when Jesus was in the wilderness. And the, these wilderness experiences, God 
for some reason loves at times to place his people in wildernesses. Amen. Uh, at the Exodus, when the people of God left Egypt, they went out into a wilderness. And I want to tell you, a wilderness is a very, very tough place. Very tough place. There are places in, in Israel where hardly even a blade of grass will grow. Because the Romans, when they plundered the place in A.D. 60, they, they put salt in the, in the ground where nothing would ever grow there again. They cut down trees. They piled up big piles of rubbish there that are called uh, tails. And uh, they, they put those there so the people would constantly be reminded that this land is worthless. And, it's, and for all of those, those years, it just lay there because it was good for nothing. It only had one thing that really appealed to anybody, and that was Jerusalem. The reason why Jerusalem was so special is that it was the epicenter of three great religions. First, for us, Christianity. Praise God. Jerusalem was the place there on Mount Zion, that, that place where Abraham ascended, the Arabs and the Muslims believed that that was the place where Muhammad, Elijah Muhammad ascended up to Allah and received the Koran. And so it's an important place for, for Muslims. It's important for Christians. It's important for people of Judaistic uh, faith, the, the who believe in Judaism, that have never accepted the Lord Jesus as the Messiah. They still live in anticipation of a, a Savior coming, a Savior like Joseph and a leader like Moses, a prophet like Moses, a priest like uh, Aaron, a, a, a leader that they can, can find and will lead them through. That's what they're looking for. We know that to be the, the Antichrist and know that to be the one they will receive. Jesus said, I come in my Father's name and you won't receive me, but another shall come in his own name and him you will receive. Amen. So Jerusalem is, is the, the epicenter of, of three great religions. They find that to be a holy place for, for every one of them. But I want to tell you, God is not just restricted to Jerusalem. It used to be that every, every believer had to go to Jerusalem once a year. You had to go on the Day of Atonement and take your lamb with you. Amen. And the lambs, some of them were, were used for different and various things. They even made uh, rafts that would float out of some of the skins and the hides of, of goats and sheep. So you thought inflatable rafts was a recent thing. No, they've been doing it for thousands of years in the Middle East. Wow. They made cups to drink out of. It was probably one of those cups made out of goat skins that they shepherd was thinking about when he said my cup runneth over this god that we serve takes such good care of his people he like a shepherd takes care of his people in fact david even said the lord is my shepherd to me god is a shepherd he said to me god is the one that takes care of me he leads me beside still waters. You know what still waters were? They were actually cisterns that during the dry season, 
and during the times when there wasn't any water in the streams down in the valley, they would go to these cisterns because during rainy times, they would divert water to run into these uh, cisterns that would hold the water, and then when the shepherds needed it for their flocks, they knew where to go and find it. They fought wars over watering holes and springs and cisterns. Can you believe that? Wow. A shepherd that has enough knowledge to manage his flock by preparing water and food when there is none to be found elsewhere. Hey, no wonder David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I don't have to worry about water because my shepherd has already taken care of that. That's already in my future. That's already there when I need it. My, my shepherd has already prepared a place for that. Hallelujah. I shall not want to for protection because he even prepared a, a cistern where water is not flowing. I won't be washed away by some current. He, he leads me beside still waters. He makes me lay down in green pastures. Now, if you've went with me to Israel, you know there aren't many green places. Most of them were brown, weren't they, Don? Most of them were down, uh, brown, and they were hard, and they were sandy, and they were, well, you get the picture, they were rock-like. But for a shepherd to know where a green place is, for a shepherd to know where there's a place where I can graze my sheep. There's a place. In fact, when the Bible says he prepares a table before me, it means he's already gone there and plowed the ground and already sowed the seed and already done the agricultural part of it and prepared for one day when I'm going to need some food, my shepherd knows where to lead me because he has prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And did you see how the wording changed from he leads me, he, and it changes to you? Somewhere in that psalm around the sixth verse, it becomes, it becomes personal. It's no longer he, it's you, the one who takes care of us, the one who anoints our head with oil. Now, these Sheep were a certain kind of sheep. They were what they called Awasi sheep. They found out that Awasi sheep are the, are the most hardy and they can stand through times of the arid conditions of the desert and the wildernesses at times. And they could stand the cold. They could stand. They were kind of like a hybrid kind of a, of, of a sheep. And they, had, they, they called them, pardon me, big butt sheep. Now, why did they call them big butt sheep? Why was the sheep that they raised in Israel called big butt sheep? They were called big butt sheep because they had the capacity to store fat in their rump. So that when times got really bad, they could endure long periods of not being able to eat or drink because they had it stored in their tail. Wow, boy, I'm treading very lightly right here. 
So it takes a certain kind of sheep to live in that. Then it takes a certain kind of shepherd because he knows how much water that that sheep is going to need and so he doesn't travel any further than he can get back to that water source in one day. And he already has walked that off and knows how far I need to go. And you ladies will love this. He always knew about, the Bible said, look well to thy flocks and know the condition of thy herds. We've preached that a lot of times. It's in Proverbs. But the fact that he knew about the nursing lambs and knew about the, the nursing mothers, and he would set a pace, and often if one of the lambs that was about to birth couldn't keep up, he would reach down and put that lamb, pick that lamb up and carry that lamb in his arms along the way so, because she could rest. Oh, boy, I'm telling you, I thank God I've got a shepherd, don't you? I thank God that I've got a shepherd that knows when the way is too tough for me, that he'll reach down and pick me up and carry me through that. I'm glad I've got a shepherd that knows that I'm weak and I, 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 I'm tired and I'm weary and I can't take very much more of this walking to get back to the sheepfold and get back to the pen and get back to the place where that we need to be and, uh, and he'll pick me up and carry me when that time comes. Hallelujah. Did you know your shepherd knows that much about you? That he knows how much you can take. He knows how much you can stand. He knows how much you can go through. He knows when you need feed. He knows when you need water. He knows when you need rest because he'll make you lay down. I said he'll make you lay down in green pastures and he'll restore your soul because he's a caring shepherd. Our God is a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He's a shepherd that tends to his flock and tends to his sheep. And one of the great things about our great shepherd is his faithfulness. Does anybody in this house have a faithful God? Has God been faithful to you? Can you recount times in your life when your shepherd took care of you was faithful to take care of you? In fact, in that parable that Jesus gave in Luke 15 of, of the lost sheep, for so many years I preached that, that he went out of the fold, he got 99 in the fold, there's 99, and, and he said he had 100, and he realized there's one sheep that I don't have. And he went out into the wilderness, out into the cold, risking his own life to find that lost sheep. Well, I read that the other day, and it appeared to me that that sheep that morning was in the fold. That morning, that sheep ate breakfast and watered and went out with the rest of them. He was one of the, one of the guys. He went out with the rest of them. He wasn't a lost sheep. He was in the fold. 
He spent the night in the fold. He'd been watered. He'd been fed. But somewhere out there, he didn't make it back to the pen, to the poionia. The poionia, that's Greek for a pen, hemmed up place where they kept him. Now, how did he discover that, Brother Jeff? He had a hundred lambs, a hundred sheep. How did he know one was missing? Well, shepherds in that area, they counted their sheep every night when they took them in. In fact, they stood by the gate and laid their hand down like that, and the sheep would pass under their hand, and the shepherd knew them so well. I knew their names of every one of them that as they passed through in his mind, he marked them off of the list every time one passed under his hand. What are you talking about? I'm talking about a shepherd that cares so much about us that he knows our name and he knows where we live and he knows how many children that we've got. And he knows about the relationship to the family. And he knows about the situation over at the bank. And he knows about the situation with the doctor. And he knows how much medicine you take. And he knows how many hours you sleep. And he knows what kind of car you drive. And he knows all of these things because he's got his hand. So he touches you. Every day when you come back in, he touches you to make sure that you made it back from the day's activities. He's a father that, woo, he's a shepherd, father, king, ruler that takes care of his sheep, but he knows them by name. If you had the time, he could tell you stories about them. Oh, yes, this is, this is, this is old Roger right here. I remember the time he didn't make it back. He was following one of the goats, and the goats are a lot more sure-footed than my sheep are. And he tried to follow one of my goats into a place that wasn't too healthy for him, and the goat made it fine, but, but little Roger, he didn't make it. And I remember I took my <clears throat> staff, and I took the crooked end of it, and I reached over, and I hooked him around his neck, and I pulled him and gave him a tug, and he came out of that crevice, and he got saved and got delivered in that. Oh, you mean Myrtle? Oh, Lord. I remember one time when a wolf attacked us, and, and he got to her before I could hit him with my stick and drive him off, and her leg got a big rip and a tear in it, and I had to keep her back at the pen for several days, and, and I had to find certain herbs and certain things to put on that wound so it would heal right. What are you getting at, Pastor? I'm trying to tell you there's a caring, loving shepherd that knows you intimately and cares about you, knows all the stories, knows all about your history, knows about where you've been, knows about everything. Oh, that's, that's Ben over there. He broke a leg one day following one of those goats. And I had to carry him for about three weeks around there. He couldn't walk. And he wouldn't stay at the pen. I'd get back and he'd broke out or got out some way. Stories. Anybody in this house got any stories? You got any stories? 
of when you left the pen that morning, everything was fine, but the day brought on some things that you couldn't bear and some things that, that hurt and some things that injured you and some things that changed about everything. And you thought that you wasn't going to make it back and the air started getting cold and you, you realized that you were in a bad place and suddenly you heard a sound and it was a sound that is like no other. And when you heard that whistle, you knew that whistle and you knew that if you could just whoo, get to where that whistle could hear you whistle back or holler back or make some bleeding sound that he'd come get you. How many of you know he'll come get you? I said, how many of you know that he'll come get you? Oh, how many in this house have been in a bad place before and the shepherd came and got you? Woo! How many in this house have been in a situation where you didn't know what you were going to do and thought you might, this might be the end and suddenly you heard the shepherd's voice? Did you know there is one, one consistent thing about that whole flock and some of those can run into the hundreds of sheep is if that shepherd, when he gets ready to move the, the herd, he just walks out and makes a sound that they all know. Did you know the Bible said about Jesus, the sheep know the shepherd's voice, and another they will not follow. Another they will not follow. Did you know shepherds even come together and sit I wish I could sit the way they do. I'm not limber enough to sit the way they do. And they sit and they drink some of the awfulest tasting coffee you've ever had in your life. I've been to their tents before. They call them Bedouins. Abraham was a Bedouin. Did you know that? Did you know that Jacob had flocks and herds and his sons tended the sheep? In fact, when they threw Joseph in the pit, they were tending their flocks. That most of them were, were shepherds. Most of them were in the business of animal husbandry, as you would say. They grew sheep and they grew goats. They made tents out of the hair of the, the goats and had a certain kind of a goat. And goats were good to have around, but they required more care than the sheep did. You know why? Because the goats were so independent, the sheep would stand still and let you shear him. The Bible said, as sheep before his shearers is dumb, he'll just stand there and he won't fight you. He won't flinch. You can just cut the wool off of him so easy and so nice. But when you start trying to get hair off of that goat, he is so independent and he is so obnoxious. But goats are so much smarter than sheep. When the Bible said before the shearers he is dumb, that's exactly true. The Lord did not compliment us when he called us a sheep. Now, I guess you've seen trained animals at circuses, haven't you? Have you seen elephants? 
Have you seen dogs? Trained dogs? Have you seen lions and tigers in those cages and they run around, get up on the thing, and they train them, teach them? Have you ever seen a trained sheep? No, and you probably won't. Because there ain't one. You've seen fierce animals too, haven't you? You've seen fierce dogs? Ah, come on, you're going to talk to me, ain't you? You ever seen a fierce dog, a Rottweiler, or bull, mastiff, is that what I call them? Those junkyard dogs? You ever seen fierce alligators, fierce tigers, leopards, panthers? Have you ever seen a fierce sheep? That's because there isn't one. They are so docile and so passive. They can't defend themselves. In fact, they eat so much that a shepherd has to make them lie down. Because they'll eat so much that they'll get what they call a prone position. Their belly will get so big. And again, I'm treading very lightly. <laughs> Their belly will get so big that they get into what they call a prone position. In other words, their legs won't touch the ground. To keep, and they're so defenseless when they get like that, any, any animal can just have at it because they have no way of defending themselves and they're in very much danger. So a, a shepherd will make them lay down before they get into a prone position. Now, I don't know about you, but that's pretty dumb. That you don't know to when to quit eating but they will eat themselves right into a prone position. How about that? But the thing about it is, when the shepherd makes that certain sound and turns, they follow him. They know his voice, and they follow him. Our God is a loving shepherd. A loving shepherd I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You see, God is not a denomination. God is not religion. God is not a pastor. God is not a bishop. God is not a preacher. In fact, there's very few things you can compare God to. But one thing you can say about Him and be more accurate is when you say God is a loving shepherd and He shepherds His people. He shepherds His people. Is the Lord your shepherd this morning? I said, is the Lord your shepherd this morning? Some of you, He's been your shepherd a long time, hasn't He? Some of you, you've been following your shepherd for a long, long time. That one sheep that didn't make it back was one that was in the fold that morning. In other words, that was one that wasn't lost, just didn't make it back. That's the story of, of a sheep that was part of the fold but just didn't make it back. 
How many times do you reckon life can become so complicated and so complex that something terrible happens, unexplainable happens, and you just don't make it back? I've talked to a lot of people, a lot of people that just kind of fell by the wayside. We had a friend that was real close to us and was doing ministry. His ministry was to help addicted men get off of alcohol, get off of drugs, get off of those things. Even ran a ministry at one of our largest churches. And Don just happened to dial his number one day by accident. And Don said, oh, I've got the wrong number. I'm sorry about that. Everything's still going good with your ministry, still doing good. And he said, no, I need to tell you, Don, I fell off the wagon. Fell off the wagon. Had done ministry for 12 years. 12 years telling people, stay away from these drugs. 12 years preaching over and over. Don't get mixed up with these drugs. Don't get hooked on these things. Don't get involved in that. 12 years preaching it himself. Boy, it's quiet in this house. But that sheep just didn't make it back. Had a a young lady that was raised around where I was. Her daddy was one of the prominent pastors in the church of God. Admired. You know him very well, Brother Ford. Lost his credentials, lost everything, lost it all. Lost his family, lost everything, lost everything. His daughter called me and said, Jerry, said if my daddy comes to town and calls you and asks you for money, don't give him any money. I'm talking about a pastor that pastored one of the greatest churches in this state. That's a sheep that didn't make it back to the fold. Anybody listening to this preacher this morning? Don't ever throw your chest out. I heard somebody say something not long ago that I cringed when they said it. They said to someone that has been fighting with cancer, and they said to him, said, I I wish there's some way you could just throw that cancer off on me. I'd show you how to get rid of that thing. Are you kidding me? There are things that happen to people. Bad things do happen to good people. Yes, they do. Unexplainable things. But nevertheless, God remains faithful. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. He's faithful to forgive us of our sins. The Bible said if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we believe in his his coming, the Bible said we would receive comfort from knowing that Jesus is coming. And the Bible said, for the Lord is faithful. For the Lord is faithful. He's faithful to, to do right by you. He's faithful to do everything he can do to get you to heaven. Right now, Jesus is doing everything he can do to get you to heaven. Hallelujah. I'm glad I've got a shepherd that's working on getting me home. Aren't you? 
I'm glad I've got a shepherd that's working on getting me home. And I intend to make it. I intend to make it. Lord, there's six more pages up there, but my time is gone. I want you to understand that there is a loving shepherd who cares about you. Stand with me. There are some times when the rocks hurt my feet. My body burns from the sweat and the heat. My strength almost gone and my faith begins to wane. My back is bent neath the pain. Oh, I could turn around, for the road is still there. But every mountain that I've climbed, I again would have to bear. So you see, I just can't turn back. Someone may be using my track. One more bend, and it just might be this road's end. Long and winding road, keep on leading me. Up ahead I see a sign that points me straight ahead to victory. I know I must be traveling right, for I remember passing Calvary. And although it's dusty and it's old, for years it's borne the traveler's load. Someday this road will turn to gold. <laughs> and for me someday this road will turn to gold. Glory to God. And for Donald Irwin, this road's already Turn to gold. But for me someday. 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 Hataka sabakotora. Someday, someday, some ordinary day just like this day. Someday. Stretch your hand this way. God, in Jesus' name, I pray for everyone in this house. They're all sheep of your pastor. They're all people of your hand. They know the shepherd's voice. God, many of them are struggling with things this morning. They need your help. They need the shepherd 
to lay his hand upon them and let them know that he cares. Let them know that he understands. God, would you just move in this building right now and let your sweet presence, your power, your spirit, your anointing touch people, Lord, all over this house. God, right now, just let a healing touch. Some need healing. God, I pray for healing. I pray, oh God, that the healing virtue of the Lord Jesus. Oh, thank you, God. I feel the presence of the Holy Ghost, don't you? God, in this house, in this house, right now in this house, right now in this seat, right here in this seat, right here in this aisle, God, let your power, let your spirit, let your anointing, let the glory of God come down and touch these people, God. Minister to them this morning, God. Let grace flow down. Let love flow in this place. Let strength and encouragement, Lord, touch people today. Bless and lift them up, oh God, by your power and by your might. By your power and by your might. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Spirit of God. Lord, we worship you this morning. Thank you, God. Trust in the Lord with all your might, and I will direct your ways. I will direct your paths. Lean upon me and trust me, saith the Lord. For I know the load that you bear and I know the burden that you carry. I am your God. Look unto me, all ye ends of the earth, and be saved. I have coveted a relationship with you. I want to know you and I want you to know me. I want you to walk with me in a more fervent way than ever before. I want you to know me better. Find out and taste and see that I will do you good and I will bless you and I will strengthen you, saith the Lord. Thank you, God. Would you give glory to the Lord and praise the Lord for his presence in this place this morning? Now pray this prayer with me, dear Lord Jesus. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the anointing. And thank you for the word. I receive the word and I get the message and I'm determined to live a more serious, intense, fervent life for you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now 30 seconds of the best praise you've got in the house. Best you've got. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord and forget not all of his benefits. Praise ye the Lord. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Spirit of God. We worship you, Lord. We praise you, God. We glorify you and magnify your name. We magnify your name. We magnify your name. Thank you, Lord. And now go with us to our homes and our families and give us an enjoyable day with them together today. And we'll praise you and thank you for it in Jesus' name. 
Amen and amen.